Um, last week we talked about how God, from the very beginning, God desires fellowship with his people. He wants to be in relationship. That's, been, that's kind of the thing that he's always wanted from the very beginning. In fact, we believe that that's the very reason why we have this thing we call free will. Because without free will, there's no opportunity for love. Right? Think about it. Without free will, without the choice of somebody, that's not love. That's forced servitude. That's, that's an automaton. God is not into building automatons, androids, that spit back what he wants to hear. He wants there to be a relationship, and there needs to be a choice in the element of relationship. Um, that is essential. Today, we're going to go a little... I, I, I was reading this. It was a, po- a popsicle. You never had... A, you, oh, you eat one of those popsicles, and on the, on the stick, there's a joke? You're going to get a popsicle joke today. Who was the number one, the worst sinner in the Bible? Who was the worst sinner in the Bible? Moses. He broke all ten commandments at once. And we all said, ha, ha, ha. That's why it was not in the stand-up comedy. It was on a pepsicle stick, okay? Um, Moses broke all. Today, I want to talk about, the title of today's message is this. Keep it. I promise it'll make sense. The title is Keep It. The big idea is simply a scripture verse. Here we go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. For freedom, God has set us free. Christ has set us free. A woman asked Benjamin Franklin as he left the Constitutional Convention in 1787, Well, doctor, what have you given us? A republic or a monarchy? Franklin replied, A republic, if you can keep it. If you can keep it. If you can keep it. Hence the title. If you can keep it implying that freedom is hard. Freedom is hard. Because, uh, see, the thing is, freedom is hard. I'm just going to go. I love America. I love America. I love it with all of its flaws. I love it with all of its frailty. And I love it with all of its failures. Because it is we, or better probably better English would be us. It's us, right? We make up America, and that has been the founding principle of this nation from the very inception. The Declaration of Independence begins with the word. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we, the United States Constitution says this, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, not a perfect union, 
but a more perfect union. Establish justice, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, that's the we, promote the general, general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. We're going to get into these, these we-type concepts when it comes to freedom. And I'm not, listen, you might think that, you know, Pastor Dave's going all, you know, star-spangled bannery here. This is, I'm just talking about freedom. And there's never been on the planet a better example of what freedom is than our country. It's not part, please, do not come out of this sanctuary saying, well, Pastor Dave said America's perfect. I did not. In fact, it's the ability to work through our flaws that makes the system so great. We're flawed. I'm going to give you an example here. Everyone knows that anything that consists of we is going to, be, is going to fail from time to time, is going to, have, uh, going to be flawed by the fact that it's made up of flawed people, and it's by its very humanness will be frail. Because we are flawed, frail, and fail from time to time. Does that make sense? Freedom is not easy. Liberty is hard. Let me tell you why. Because it takes the individual putting limits on themselves in order to provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty for not only themselves, but the generations to follow. It's a self-limiting thing. Every one of our founding fathers, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. They were human. They were human, which means they, were, they failed, they were flawed, and they were frail, just like you and me. I believe that they were exceptional, though, in the, in the understanding that freedom is hard and must be attached to a morality that puts others over ourselves. They pledged to each other their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. To each other. That is the only way to preserve a free and prosperous society. John Adams, John Adams is quoting as saying this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It's wholly inadequate to the government of any other. God wants us to live free. So the Ten Commandments are the stones that are crying out to us today. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get into those today. So open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. If you want to know why we're having such difficulties in our country, I would say that John Adams' um, quote is coming true. With a lack of morality, the republic breaks down. 
And you're going to see in these Ten Commandments some things that we have just decided as a, as a community, as a we, that we're just not going to worry about anymore. Here we go. Exodus 32. This is like a preamble here. 15 through 16. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Now, that's, interestingly enough, the timeline of this whole thing is kind of funky, because we have this, but then you have to go back to chapter 20 to actually get the first list of the Ten Commandments, because this is how it happened, and we don't always get this when we're thinking about it. God spoke to the people his law. And it was so intimidating to the people that they're like, whoa, ho, 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 Moses, why don't you take care of this? So he spoke it out and it was written down. And then Moses then went up onto the mountain and received the written law on the tablets. Okay? So when we go back to chapter 20, we have this speaking of God. So uh, Exodus 20, verse 1 through 17 says this, And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Stop. Just stop right there. God took a group of people who knew only generational slavery and servitude and set them free. Okay? One day, they're slaves, objectified, brutalized, expendable. And the next day they're free, emancipated, vindicated, and validated. It's pretty awesome. As God brings them out, he needs them to understand that freedom is not a license to do anything they want to do. They have no context for freedom. 400 years, that's multiple generations of slavery. They have no con- they they were born into a context where they got up, they did what the master told them to do, they took what the master gave them, they went to bed. When the master told them they could go to bed, and they got up and they did it all over again. What we call that in this day and age is a machine. Totally devoid of the human spark in the eyes of their slaveholders. Now they have freedom, which they've been calling out to God for, for for years, and God finally brings it to them. And God says, okay, in order for this not to devolve into chaos, we need to set up some, we need you to understand what this looks like. If they went down the road to anarchy, they would be very quickly destroyed. He knew that. He knew that the, uh, the, the area, the people in the area would definitely destroy them if they didn't have a certain morality. Liberty is founded in a morality that causes a person to self-discipline so as not to infringe on the liberties of other individuals and live at peace with God and man. Now look at this. When the majority of individuals are in agreement 
to this liberty-preserving morality, you can have a free society. You could deal with the outliers. We deal with them in a place called jail. But when the majority agrees to this morality, you can have a free society. When the morality becomes eroded, you quickly descend into lawlessness, anarchy, and the loss of truly a truly free society. Fundamentally, freedom is found in relationships. That may kind of sound funny to you, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to prove it to you. Okay? Freedom is found in healthy relationships. The first four commandments address how we are to relate to God. Relationship with God. The second six commandments addresses how we are to relate to one another. All right, verse 3, here we go. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, as we read this, just, just backpedal here for a second. As we read this, just think about how we, the people, have decided that many of these things are not valuable anymore. And you might get a little inkling as to why we're having a little struggles in our world. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall, you shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I have not seen that more, I guess a stark example of that, than I have in my dealings with people who, have, who struggle with serious addictions. It just destroys families. And it seems to be generational in many ways. And it's tough. It's something that needs to be. It's, it's, it's this idolatry that needs to be addressed so that the sins of the father or the mother or the parents are not visited upon the children. It's just so difficult but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Seven, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not hold him, uh, anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God on it, you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Oh, that's very legalistic, Pastor. I know what you're getting at. You just want us in church. Yes. That's all I want. I just want the seats filled. That's all I want. No. This is a, 
this one, this one almost seems like a throwaway. Ah, the Sabbath day, that's an old, that's an old you know, Jewish, you know, Hebrew thing. Listen, in the context of how we're talking here, these are freed slaves who do not understand recreation, who do not understand that they are more than what they produce, that they're valuable in who they are, that God sees them as valuable, that there's time for rest and, and, and worship. And I love the part where he says, if God can make the universe in six days, then you could get your work done in six days. If God can make the universe in six days, you can get whatever you're doing done in six days and, and spend a day resting and worshiping. I think that's fair. I love how people, are, you know, I can't go to church because I only get one day. So did God. He made it happen. Make it happen. It's more important. It, it's valuable to, to understand that we are intrinsically valuable, not just by what we produce in society or what we can create or what we put out, but we are valuable because we are human and we have the ability to have relationships with people, with people, with God. See how it's about relationship? Okay. So those are the first four. They relate to how we, how we relate to this relationship with the Almighty. He's first. He's only. Don't, oh, I was thinking about this the other day. I'll get to the whole thing and we'll stop. This is like, you told me this was a long one, so you better keep going. Um, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long on the land that the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. If you take the, a look at these 10 commandments, now there's a lot of debate whether the tablets that Moses had contained only the 10 commandments. The the idea that I get from commentaries and rabbinic teachings is that it was the whole thing, front and back. Like, he was using the margins, you know, right in, in, in there. Uh, it was the whole law was on those tablets. But what we have to understand is this. The concept of these laws are the laws that are basic to a free society. There were other Jewish distinctive laws that were just really, honestly, just distinct to God's chosen people to make them holy, separate from all the other nations around. But this is universal in its scope. And we have taken this list, and we have essentially done what Moses did with a different motive. We have destroyed this list. Well, you got to have separation of church and state, right? You can't have, you can't have the Ten Commandments in schools. That would be a, that would be a conflict. You can't have the basis for a free society visible where kids are every day. That's ridiculous. This, this country is founded on Judeo-Christian values 
and they are what keep us free. And it's so funny because I was, I, I, as my children have been going to, to school and they've been involved in some public school stuff, I, I get, I have no, I have no ability to say no sometimes. So like, hey, anybody want to be the PTO president? Why did I raise my hand? That was crazy. Dave's like, I don't know why you raised your hand. I was wondering the same thing. Uh, you have enough to do. The concept is, one of the things that's so interesting about our public education right now is they are, tr- and they are great people. And they're trying to infuse the kids with this information without actually listing it. It's hilarious. All their little models and slogans that they have on the walls, they're all just basically regurgitated Bible truth. Right? It's what it is. It's reworded commandments. It's so funny because in order to keep this system going, it has to be there. But they don't want mm-hmm. Anyway, I digress. But we have broken these things. Think about it for a second. We have put other gods before our God. We have, even in the church. We have not been careful about that. We have misused, I mean, I, Every single piece of media out there is constantly misusing the Lord's name. It makes shivers go up and down my spine. You should not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day. Remember the blue, was it blue book laws? Blue laws, was it blue laws? Blue book, whatever. No, I remember, I was, I was, I was alive during them. I don't know if I would have known about them, but. But there were, there were certain laws that just said you can't be open on Sundays. And Chris and I were talking about it today. We were like, we wish Chick-fil-A would get, get with it because we're here and we like to go to Chick-fil-A after church or something. But uh, the idea is that this was something that we, was just part of our culture. It's been abandoned. Honor your father and your mother. Did you know that that's not written primarily to children? Because children had to. <laughs> if you read the law of Moses, if a child disrespected his parents, his dad could literally have him killed. <laughs> it didn't happen often, I hope. But children had to. There was no, there was, it was just, that was letter law. This is for adults. This was the about taking care of our parents as they age. And as you live longer, to take care of your parents longer. That's where that comes from. It's, it's a sanctity of life into the, into the uh, latter years, the elder years of, of, of our parents' lives. Do not murder. Well, I've never murdered anybody, Pastor. I hope not. I can't really say. I don't know for sure. I hope that's your story. But we are, we are steep in violence, aren't we? We are steeped. In violence, I am I'm I'm amazed at some of the things we call entertainment. I'm as guilty as the next man. I just sometimes I don't even see it. Think about talking about media. How about adultery? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Do not steal. Do not. 
Commit false news. Fake news. You should not give false testimony against your neighbor. And everybody is guilty of that. It's so bad right now that you don't know what's true. Because it's so polarized opposite. One side is saying, this is true. One side is saying, exactly the opposite thing. And we're left, we're left trying to... It's tough. False witness. And this one is big. Do not covet. Do not sinfully desire... What, you're, what somebody else has. We, we call that keeping up with the Joneses. Instead of being grateful for what God has given you, we often resent people who have more than we do. Jesus affirmed these Ten Commandments this freedom-inducing formula. In Matthew 5.17, he declares that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. How does he fulfill it? Jesus' purpose was setting people free. He said this in Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now I've been dissecting that concept. What is the Lord's, what is the year of the Lord's favor? And I'm sure there's a multifaceted answer to that. But I really believe that the year of the Lord's favor is this concept of the, the, the ascending to us of the Holy Spirit. So that we can actually start to do, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do the things that is written in this book. Before that, we never really had that power. So here we go. Matthew 22, 35 through 40 says this. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to live out the law of love. To live out the law of love. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you will keep the law as, it, as to how we are to relate to God. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you will keep the law as to how we are to relate to one another. But the pursuit of liberty is a lifelong process of living up to what we have been given in Christ and, frankly, by our Constitution. Ben Franklin says that we've been given a republic if we can keep it, right? We've been given a republic if we can keep it. The Apostle Paul put it this way. Only let us live up to what we have already 
attained. That's Philippians 3.16. Let us live up to what we've already attained. It's, it's pretty much the same statement. One's a, a governmental societal structure. The other is a spiritual construct. We've already given grace. We've already given mercy. We've already been set free by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us. Now we need to live up to it. We've already attained it. Now work it out. Fear and trembling. We can easily take for granted the freedom that we have under the, and, 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 and kind of forego the responsibilities we have to do the work that remains to us to be free. Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ, this is the big idea, for freedom, Christ, has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We could take for granted that what we've been given through Christ, and we can not continue to work out our salvation, to, to live up to what we've already been given, and we can essentially make ourselves a slave once again to sin, and that is the most pitiable circumstance in the world, to be set free by the, by the blood of Jesus Christ and then to willingly or even through neglect allow ourselves to be brought back into a form of slavery. That's, that's sad. Israel did it time and time again. Instead of doing the hard work of freedom and re, uh, reaping the rewards of liberty, they were consistently complaining <laughs> about their newfound freedom. Why? Because it was hard. They had to actually do something. I mean, they did a lot of things in slavery, but it wasn't their choice. They would often long for the days when they had no other responsibility other than to do what their masters commanded and receive the meager provisions of slavery. Oh, the days. Remember those leeks we had back in Egypt? Wow, leeks must have been something special. Onions and leeks. They didn't have those in the wilderness. They only had bread from God, but it wasn't seasoned well enough for them. They wanted their onions and their leeks. We're, we can pick on the Israelites all the time. We're the same. We get set free from the garbage of our lives, and then we complain because we can't do certain things anymore. I thought I was supposed to be free. You are free if you can keep it. If you can keep it. Freedom is divinely provided, yet it is hard to keep. John 10.10 the thief, the devil, the enemy of your soul does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Freedom is and must be a way of life. Loving the Lord with all that you have sets us free from self-centeredness, having to make God in our own image, having to carry the burdens of this life on our own. 
feeling of loneliness. Having to see this world from an exclusively terrestrial vantage point. When we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are able to see things from a heavenly perspective. All the things that are going on right now, I can't imagine how overwhelmed I would be if I didn't know that God has us. If it was on me to fix it, I mean, it is on me to fix it, but not entirely on me to fix it. God's got this. In fact, if you read the end of the book, he really does. He's got this. Have this. Got it. And if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we are imbued with divine purpose. No longer are we wandering, purposeless. What is the meaning of life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do that and live. Every single good thing hangs on those two pegs. Loving your neighbor as yourself sets us free from materialism. Egocentrism. The burden of retribution. Think about that one for a second. The burden of retribution. It frees us up to forgive, which brings a new, even a higher level of freedom. When you can forgive, you've really been set free. You have loosed the chains that that person that uh, was, was, was rotten to you or did whatever they did to you, and you could forgive them, you can release them, you've been set free from carrying around all that anxiety and garbage. It allows us, loving our neighbor as ourselves, allows us to participate in the successes of others. What a concept. When's the last time you called somebody up excited because somebody else got something great? I know it's the first thing I do when I get something great. But we can actually participate in the, the other day, I got a one wheel. Yeah, I figured you wouldn't know what that is. But it's a, it's a, it's, it's a battery-powered skateboard thing that has one big go-kart tire in the middle. And it's got a gyroscope, so it balances. I love it. It's so cool. I rip around my neighborhood with it with the kids on their scooters. It's a great thing. It's a great toy. I like my toys. I tell you, when that thing came, I was like, hey, I called my brother up. Right, hey, man, it's so cool. I love this thing. He's like, he's, the first thing he says, be careful. <laughs> Killjoy. <laughs> right, right? Be careful. Don't break anything. Whatever, man. Just because you can't do it. No. Uh, but we, you get a new car, man, you are on it. It's on Facebook. It's on, it's on everything. We can actually get excited about other people's joy. Somebody told me the other day that they got a job that they've been praying for for a long time. I was thrilled for them because I know, I know how they labored in prayer over that. And, they, 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 they were, and, they, and God got it. For, 
God, God provided it for them. And I can, and I can be enjoy. I can, and here's the other side of that, that relational thing. We can participate in the successes of others, but we can also work together to fix our shortcomings. It's not just all, when we love our neighbor as ourself, you take care of your neighbor. Now, there's a tactful way to do that. We've got to be careful. Not only do we need to take care, we need to be careful. Do you understand what I'm saying? What does careful mean? Full of care. If you're, if you're, if you're noticing something about your brothers and sisters that's not healthy for them, it's incumbent upon you to help them. But you need to be full of care as you do that so as not to hurt, damage the relationship before you even get it off the ground. This is not easy stuff, folks. That's why the Holy Spirit was sent. You know who does this really poorly a lot of times? The church. We do. Instead of being careful and these things, we just take this thing and, like I said, we, we just, Julie, well, you do it because the Word says it. Well, I don't really see that as the example that Christ set. Woman caught in adultery. Ooh, adultery. Those one of the, that's one of the big sins. The big sins. As if lying or coveting is not big. Caught in adultery. Jesus treated her so full of care that I truly believe that that woman went away wanting to do what Jesus encouraged her to do. She didn't have to. He didn't make her. Yet go and sin no more. I feel like because of the way he treated her, she's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live up to what you gave me. I'm going to live up to it. I'm going to keep it. I've been set free from the, 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 from the punishment that I deserved. Now I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep that freedom. You got to keep it. God wants us to be free, folks. He wants us to live free. And I know I've talked a lot about this country today. I love this country, but it's not perfect. It's got problems. But I love it. I want the best for it. There are people in our country who are suffering. I want the best for them. And I want to be part of the solution, not the problem. So, because it's hard. Because people. <laughs> Just leave it there. Because people. Ever heard like, the church would be so easy if it wasn't for the people. America would be easy if it weren't for the people. Freedom would be easy if it weren't for free people people. It's hard because of people, including ourselves, are flawed, frail, and failures. We've all been there from time to time. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to empower us day in and day out to live for Christ who died for us. Live for Christ who died for us, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill 
the law of Christ. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to give us the power to treat one another better, like ourselves, and to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. He gave us, he wants us to have freedom, he gave us freedom. He basically said this, I gave you freedom, if you can keep it. Let's live free. Live in the freedom that is provided for us in every form. And love one another and love God with everything we've got. Would you stay with me? Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that we can sit here today. We can stand here. And we can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without having to feel like doors are going to get broken down and we're going to all get taken away to jail. I pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world where that's their reality. God, heal this country. Lord, I just pray right now that you would heal the racial divisions of our country right now. In the name of Jesus. It's not an easy not an easy fix. It's going to take time. It's going to take care for one another. It's going to take careful discussions. Discussions that are full of care. It's going to take us living by a morality that puts others above ourselves. Lord, help us. We're so inadequate. But you sent your Holy Spirit so that we could be more than we are in and of ourselves. And Lord, I, I turn to the spiritual freedom that you've given us, God. Lord, I pray that we would never allow this world to drag us back down. Lord, that we would live as free people, free from the bondage of sin, free from the bondage of the law. Lord, that keeps weights and shackles on our on our ankles. But Lord, we need to understand that that freedom is attached to the morality that comes through your word, through being people of God. Lord, help us to keep that morality at the forefront of our minds without being legalistic to those who aren't there yet. Help us to be careful, full of care as we exercise the morality of freedom with those who don't quite understand it yet. So that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We'll, win, we'll get more bees with honey. <laughs> Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll attract more people to the gospel into the church of Jesus Christ by, by being careful and loving them than ever we would being legalistic and damaging. So Lord, I ask you that you help us as, an, as New Life Church to embody this morality as we live our lives as citizens of the kingdom of God and also citizens of the United States. 
We love you, Lord. Guide and direct us as you did uh, the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. Fire by night, cloud by day. Keep your, keep us, help us to keep you in our sights as we go about our days, as we do our work, as we spend the six days <laughs> working our, our rear ends off <laughs> and enjoying you, enjoying one another. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.